0: Hello and welcome to Scran, the podcast passionate about the Scottish food and drink scene. I'm your host, Roslyn derskine and on this episode, I found out more about Appetite for Adventure, a food and drink and sustainable travel project which involved an adventurous trip on the North Coast 500. Appetite for Adventure was staged both in celebration of Scotland's Year of Stories 2022 and to promote sustainable active travel and food tourism through Hostelling. Hostelling Scotland teamed up with Adventure Syndicate, for a bike and hostling adventure of the North West Highlands with some of the finest locally sourced food and drink Scotland has to offer. In June this year, the 250-mile two-wheeled hostel-packing adventure saw three cyclists from the adventure syndicate, a group of female adventurers and storytellers who promote mental and physical well-being through their outdoor endeavours, ride mostly off-road from Strathcarran in the south to Durnesmu on Scotland's north coast. As you can imagine, they wanted to avoid the very busy main roads of the North Coast 500 as much as possible. Scotland's world-class food and drink took centre stage as well on this island adventure. The syndicate experienced some of the best of Scotland's natural larder as they travelled. Each day, the cyclists visited some of the best local producers, community food hubs, cafes and restaurants on the route. The top quality local produce food collected on the go was the source of their evening meals and was prepared in the self-catering kitchens of the youth hostels they stayed in en route. To find out more about the trip, the local food and drink and how cycling and hosteling can be a different way to experience Scotland I was joined by Lee Craigie from Adventure Syndicate and writer, broadcaster and food anthropologist Gilly Bashan, who provided the locally sourced food on this trip.
1: The North Coast 500 is a classic, dramatic road that takes in the best of the Scottish Highlands. People come from all over the world to experience it But many of them remain spectators from behind car windscreens, stopping only along the well-beaten track to eat in restaurants and stay in expensive hotels. And why wouldn't they? Driving around the North Coast 500 in Scotland's fickle weather and enjoying the tried and tested hospitality on offer is easy. It's safe, it's comfortable and predictable. It's a good way to travel. But it's not the only way.
0: So today I'm joined by Lee Craigie and Gilly Bashan to talk about appetite for adventure with Hostling Scotland. So hello both, how are you? Hi. I'm yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Thanks for joining me. So, we'll just sort of take it from the start. What is Appetite for Adventure with Hostling Scotland, and how did you come to be involved with it?
1: I'm director of an organisation called the Adventure Syndicate, and we are a collective of female bike adventurers who travel around self supported by bike, bike, usually in big mountains. Um, as a way to sort of tell our story and encourage other women to do the same thing. And for the last couple of years, we've been working quite closely with Hostelling Scotland because hostels are such a great way to to travel actively and then you get to this affordable beautiful quite often place in, in the middle of nowhere and um, and you get warm and dry and you know it's just it's a really nice way to, to travel by bike and then to, to land somewhere like a like a hostel in the remote northwest so hostelling scotland asked if we would be interested in um, riding around the north coast 500 but also tying in a food and drink element um because there's just a wealth of that in the northwest and we thought that sounds like a brilliant idea riding bikes and staying in hostels and eating amazing locally sourced food but we weren't keen on the north coast 500 like riding around the busy tarmac road didn't really float our boat and so we thought we'll do that if we can work with Gilly Bashan and if um, we can devise our own route like a more adventurous route that goes over the mountains rather than round on the on the road. And they said, fine, <laughs> let's do that. That sounds like a big, great idea. Um, and so that's sort of how it started.
0: Gilly, so you were, you were brought in specifically by Lee, And, and what, what were your kind of thoughts on it initially?
2: Well, initially I thought she's mad. You know, I mean, what a daft idea to put me on a bike with them. I mean, these women, they are super fit. They're absolute cycling legends. I mean, there's, there's not every single bit of their body is muscle. And, and then they have me, and I'm this middle-aged marshmallow that hadn't been on a bike since I was about eight years old. And they expected me to come with them. <laughs> so <laughs> I just thought, no, 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 it's not me you want. It's my daughter. She's fit. She can cook. But um, no, they wanted me. And I am delighted they did, because it actually was um, just such a great trip. And I now am a biker. I love it. <laughs>
1: When people ask us why we choose to make life hard for ourselves by finding off-road alternatives to perfectly good tarmac, we do have to think for a second, but then we remember that an easy and convenient adventure doesn't always mean a joyful and satisfying one. We find that joy and satisfaction usually taste better when it's been earned. Our friend Gilly Basham is an expert at finding and cooking the best locally produced food in Scotland. Luckily, we are experts at eating it.
0: So you were there, you were you were on the trip, but also bringing food along for everyone as well, um, is that right?
2: We used the route as a way of getting food from different um, local producers. So while Lee and Phil and Alice were all cycling over rocky, high terrain and wading through rivers, I was going along the roads and collecting the food, and then we would meet in the evening in the hostel and cook it up. Because that
0: is that is your. I mean, you've got you've had an amazing. Um, you've got an amazing background, Gilly I, I just, Do you want to sort of talk to anyone that doesn't know like what it is? You've your background, your background in cooking, your cookbooks, what you do now. I mean, I've I've been up to your house and it's amazing. But
2: yeah, just sort of give us a little bit of background about yourself. Well, um, I I guess I I started out as a, a journalist. Um, based in Istanbul, and from there, from doing sort of normal news, you know, terrorist attacks, bomb attacks, um, earthquakes, all of that kind of thing, for about three years, um, I moved into food and travel because I realised I actually didn't understand Middle Eastern politics and I was way out of my depth, but I did understand food and travel, and so that's where my sort of, I suppose, food writing began uh, for magazines, and then once I moved to the remote cottage I live in in the Highlands, um, I started writing books and there's now quite a, a number of them behind me, um, but they're all on different cultures. And it's, my, my background is in social anthropology, so it, it kind of was a natural route for me to take to write about different cultures. But this, uh, th- on this particular trip, we used a more recent book that I've written, which is about um, producers in the Highlands, and we actually used that while we were on the trip, both for recipes and and for the producers. So that was a kind of a, a nice way of, of tying that in. Well, what you mean, which one? This the, one. The, the pork, pork liver with the cognac. Mm-hmm. This one right here, which I have to <coughs> tell you. <laughs> Cognac where I was born. Oh. Uh, yeah, there's a few copas and uh, lumos, and
0: hands, and a chorizo, and... Uh And Lee, well one, how did you find the trip? Because obviously people think of the North Coast 500 and you're right, they think of like driving around and tarmac roads and stuff. You've you've created a whole other way to do it. How did you find it and and how did you find the, the food as well? How was that?
1: Well, the route itself was was a joy. There's nothing easy about the route that, that we took. It would have been much, much easier to have just ridden around the, the tarmac road. But um, it's a completely different experience when you're, when you're battling with traffic um, the whole time, and you, you don't have that same sort of sense of isolation, and and it's really wild out there. The routes that we took through Fisherfield Forest and and from Applecross to Kenmore, like you're re- you're really out there in, in the big hills, and and you're and you're toiling and you're working hard and you're faced with the elements, and then to drop out of those hills into the glens where this lovely, warm, welcoming. In hostel and Gilly and her lovely son Zeki were waiting for us, having gathered all this incredible food. Like Gilly's, Gilly's knowledge of the Northwest in terms of where to source this food is unparalleled. And to have someone like Gilly not only sourcing that food, but showing us how to create it. After a huge day on the hill, I mean, it's just, it's, you, you can't plan a better trip than that, really. Um, and food always tastes better when you've been working really hard. So there was that as well, you know, the food was just sublime. And it, it would have been sublime anyway, because they were all fresh ingredients, all sourced from um, small local producers. So there was already that story attached to the food we were eating. But for it to be produced by Gillian and then on the back of on the back of this hard day in the hill, It was just perfect. It really was.
0: So, can you give us an example of some of the dishes? Because obviously, you've you've been working hard, and you've you're going to need certain things for you know your body because you've been cycling and going up and down hills and things. So, what what kinds of things were you having? What kind of dishes?
2: I could have given them anything, you know, to be honest, because they were so hungry. (laughs) They would have just appreciated anything. We had a mixture of things because there were gardens that we went to and crops where there was just vegetables. Green vegetables actually was the main thing. So we did... One night we had the vegetables sort of steamed and and cooked with parmesan and popped in the oven and just uh, sort of just really moist and delicious and nourishing. And then we did quite a lot with shellfish. I think everybody's favorite was perhaps the uh, oysters that we did on the beach the last night. So they were Cape Wrath oysters. We had collected a mixture of garden herbs and wild herbs, and I just melted butter and put those herbs into it. And, um, and then we poured that into each shell, you, you know, that the oysters were shucked very expertly by, by Alice and Lee, and then just poured a little bit of that butter over each oyster. And, and th- that way you, you can just cook them straight over the fire. So you just kind of sit them um, on you know bits of wood in the fire and just let them cook gently, and they were just delicious. And we had those with a um, a bottle of Badachro uh, whiskey, which just went down perfectly with them, didn't it, Lee? <laughs> so uh, I think that was probably the most memorable of them all. But my goodness me, we collected amazing charcuterie and um, pates and things from Highland charcuterie and. We cheated a little in that we collected uh, pies from Lochinvar pies. I'm sure everybody knows Lochinvar pies, um, and those were kind of eaten at lunchtime as well as one evening, and and then seafood. You know, lot, lots of um, shellfish from uh, seafood safari uh, chap down at Badachro on Dry Island. It was um, a combination of that, and then of course there was Ritchie's Alt Bay which is black pudding, haggis, white pudding. He makes delicious puddings. And we used the black pudding um, to make a kind of brunch one morning uh, on toast with feta and charred tomatoes and spring onions and capers and things like that. So they had a variety of stuff. I think whiskey got kind of lashed into quite a few things.
1: <laughs> That's good to see. <laughs>
2: Even porridge in the morning. There's nothing like porridge with a wee bit of whiskey. Yeah, that was. I was going to ask.
0: Um, did you manage to have any of the drinks? Because I did not quite sure if you would be drinking while cycling. But no, that answers my question. Some some nice whiskies.
1: Well, always in the evening. It's always a lovely thing to do, isn't it? I don't think we. Oh no, we did have porridge. We did have whiskey on our porridge to, to set us up for the day, but. That um, it didn't really impair our riding ability, I don't think. But the other thing that we were able to do when we were riding around, like Gilly pointed out, where there might be some honesty boxes of local producers, so crofts that just have stuff for sale by the side of the road. Little Swallow and um, Shieldig, that was an amazing find just to be riding along and really hungry and still with another 10 miles to go. And there's this honesty box with um, chutneys and pies and stuff in it. Um, and up at Lochview Croft and Drumbeg, like, there's all of these amazing little pockets that you can find um, just wherever you go if you open your eyes. And it's so tempting normally when you're on a bike just to stop at you know these these little supermarkets, these fairly soulless quite often chain supermarkets and just and and load up on food that's been imported from from far away. Um, and it's easy to do that, and that's the way that the um, our, our world is set up. But there's something really lovely about taking a slightly harder route and really exploring and taking the time to engage with not just your natural surroundings by taking. Maybe a slightly harder route through a remote um, landscape, but going off the route a little bit to find these people that have been producing this amazing food yeah, it may be a little bit harder, but you're rewarded for it.
0: So, were you quite surprised then by the, the sort of amount of places you could stop or things that you could get from the local producers? Like you say, if you're normally just going into a supermarket, were you quite taken aback or, or were you kind of expecting that?
1: Well, I was really surprised. I've read Gilly's book. <laughs> so I sort of had an inkling that from, from her amazing book that there was this wealth out there. Yeah, I suppose because of the stuff that we do, you know, calories are just calories to keep moving normally. And so we hadn't really done the, the research and the exploration that she had done. So it was a bit of a gift, really, to have her book and her as a guide. And I was blown away by just the wealth that there is in, in the Northwest. And it makes me think there must be this all over, probably all over the world, but all over Scotland. Like there's, there's, there's stuff to explore. There's a different way to to travel and consume. And if you just slow down and do your research and take the time, then it can really add a real depth and, and richness to a journey.
0: Um, so I've asked Gilly kind of her background, but wh- what's your background? How did you get to what you're doing just now?
1: I, I used to be a mountain bike racer for years. I, I raced full time for the British squad and then I gave that up and set up the adventure syndicate because it didn't feel like enough to be just doing my thing. It felt a little bit sort of selfish and and women weren't very fairly represented, I didn't think, in in the sport of mountain biking. So I thought if we could set up a collective of women telling stories of inspiring adventure, then maybe more women and girls would think, oh, yeah, this sort of thing is for me. So that's taken up a lot of my time, is directing the Adventure Syndicate and making films and podcasts and writing articles to sort of share those stories of adventure. Um, but I also work a couple of days a week with um, the Scottish Government. I'm the ambassador for active travel for the Scottish Government, and I'm tasked with encouraging more people to walk or cycle rather than drive. So you can sort of see where this crossover happened on on this journey. There's something just so joyful about journeying by bike or by foot that you just don't get in a car. And although Gilly was was in a car and and taking her bike shorter distances, an e-bike shorter distances around the northwest, she was still having her adventure and we were out there having ours. So it's not like you need to ride hundreds of miles hundreds of miles to get you know, to get the joy out of travelling actively. Yeah, it can be a a compromise and a a combination of all sorts of different modes of transport. And just encouraging more people to try that as well was part of my agenda for this.
0: So obviously the North Coast 500, everyone knows it, have said about this driving route and it's almost become a victim of its own success because the roads can get quite congested and everything. So is the plan now to sort of, to use this to say to people you can do this another way and, and and is the route that you've taken is that going to be something that people are also going to be able to do themselves if they're you know if they want to is there going to be a sort of revamp of the north coast 500s in terms of you could now cycle parts of it or, or is that kind of the message that you're to put out sorry that was a long-winded
1: <laughs> question I know exactly what you mean bro, don't worry <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the message isn't, I mean, I think you'd be daft to follow the route that we took um, step by step. We chose some really bizarre ways with a lot of bike carrying and a lot of river crossings. And you'd really, you'd need to be really properly up for it and have some hill knowledge to follow the exact route that we took. But it's more the idea that anyone can have an adventure if they just think a little bit outside the box. And something like the North Coast 500 can be adventurous if you, drive some of it and park your car and then do what Gilly did and take take her bike out of the back and and ride up these small single track roads rather than plugging them up with in with traffic the whole time or you know just do, doing it in little little stages or um maybe trying an off-road section knowing that you can come back. There's just lots of different ways to, to do this. So although our route we wouldn't ever advertise our route as the next best North Coast 500. Um, But there's definitely ways that you can be creative around the North Coast 500 and and really engage with the landscape better and with local producers better Um, just by getting out there on your feet or on your wheels and and seeing how different it is to experience it that way.
0: And Gilly, has it made you, do you think you'd be up for you know you like you know you took your car and you took your bike out and, and did that is that something you would have done anyway or is it kind of made you feel like oh I could do this again
2: in other places I didn't have a bike before this um I I borrowed a bike for this particular um adventure and um and then for my 60th birthday not so long ago my kids crowdfunded and got me a secondhand e-bike so now um yeah, Scotland is just waiting for me to park up and get that bike out. I just actually was on Island Jura just um, last week and cycled, you know, right to the end of Jura, where you kind of are way off on a mud road to the very end um, and love that. But my car broke down um, and and the AA doesn't rescue you from an island. So I'm now back home and my car is still over there. And so Uh, so, so I think maybe going by bike is actually the best option. And you may not have a choice. (laughs) At least You can get back on the ferry on your bike, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, it was, it was, it was a lovely way to do it. It really was. I mean, you know, as, as Lee said, um, I had my car with me as well, but that was also partly because we were collecting a lot of food, but also I had my son with me because he was the one filming me and taking the photographs for me because Lee had, Uh, who who was cycling with them. And he's just as much as a demon on a bike as they are. So he was keeping up with them. And um, so that was the way, that was the only way we could do it. And then we were all together in the hostels, which I must say, the hostels are amazing. And they were such a revelation to me since I was young, because when I was in my sort of, teens and university days I used to stay in the hostels and in those days they were cold the beds were damp you had to you had to clean everything you know you had to clean that you had duties to do so your duty might be to clean the toilets it might be to clean the kitchen the, the kitchens never had um, the utensils that they have now. I mean, we, they were better kitted out than my own kitchen, and I'm supposed to be some kind of a food expert. But they, they actually were better kitted out. Amazing um, space and uh, every utensil you could possibly need. And even if there were other people in the kitchen, it didn't matter because there was enough. There were enough cooker tops. Um, well, that's not the right word. What's the word? Stove tops, enough hobs, enough pans, enough enough of everything. And then you have that kind of communal uh, feel as well. So it, particularly in, in Achmelvik, we had that, didn't really, when uh, everyone was kind of cooking together and joined in and, and we sort of fed the other people um, in, in, in the hostel as well, because it's quite a small uh, kitchen and a small uh, little dining area all kind of combined. Um, but um, yeah, the, the I, I was actually amazed by, by the hostels. They're clean and they're... They're superbly kitted out, and it was just the best way to 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 end the day.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, totally love hostels, and really enjoyed experiencing them with with Gilly, and just that whole journey, experiencing that whole journey with Gilly, and coming together in the in the kitchens with her in the evening. So much so, in fact, that we've devised plans for 2023. We're going to do more things together by bike. I'm going to get her to show me all sorts of cool stuff on the space side way. Hopefully, maybe going to get our our mums involved and, and get more people uh, journeying by bike, inspired by food and, and drink? If you're a cyclist, then you're always motivated by food and drink. It's such a match made in heaven. Um, it's, it's pretty much all you think about when you're toiling up a hill. is where you're going to get your next cup of coffee from. So um, it feels like such a, a, a nice marriage of of ideas. Um, so I'm really looking forward to to doing some more adventuring with, with Gillian. possibly a a few other adventurous women in in the new year
2: as I say it's such a lovely way to see the the landscape as well I mean I you know if I am going to cycle a lot I won't do it on roads as much I, I like being off road but obviously not in the same kind of terrain that Lee can do so very much tracks for me as opposed to sort of sheep tracks up to the top of hills and then no track at all. I mean, I, I just couldn't do that. But tracks, yes. But the roads, I, I I did find that a little unnerving being the first time on a bike for years and suddenly being on the North Coast 500 with these enormous camper vans that take up the entire road. You know, so you have to actually stop your on your bike sometimes and, and almost move out the way. But I I gained a new respect for cyclists because I've been the driver behind cyclists thinking, oh my God, when am I going to get past these bikes? And, you know. but yet <laughs> Lee and Alice and, and Phil, they're just so relaxed about it. And they just, you know, they sort of say, our oh, car behind us. And they just take their time. And they know they know that, uh, there's going to be a moment that the car can overtake. But I'm sort of panicking a bit about that. So I don't think I'd like to be a road cyclist. The the, the North Coast 500 was fine because you could stop at places. There are so many beautiful bays you can just stop at. And, and the funny thing is lots of these people doing the North Coast 500 don't stop they just sort of drive from one place to another and look out their windows. But unless there's a great big parking area by a bay, they don't stop. But on a bike, you can just stop anywhere and then you're smelling the bog myrtle as you go by it and you're hearing the birds and you're hearing the waves and it's a much nicer way to travel. I'm I'm definitely sold on it now.
0: No, it sounds great. Um, and I'm speaking to someone a bit like you, Gilly. I was on a bike for the first time at Centre Parks this summer and it's like it wasn't like riding a bike because I feel like I'd forgotten how to do it so <laughs> but no it's, it sounds it sounds great and I think if it's sustainable and obviously you get this chance to to see different things you wouldn't see and and obviously pop into local producers um was there a particular highlight or a particular like local producer that kind of really stood out for for both of you um Lee um, I'll come back to you like is there a particular dish or, or local producer or, or something or, or moment during the the um, trip that you
1: really stands out mm, to you oh well, there's a there's a couple definitely um i think gilly described it beautifully at the very end of our trip we ended in derness and we um Zeki built an open fire on the beach, and we and we cooked those oysters, and and the and the sky was just beautiful that night. It was a perfect evening, and then we all went, we ran into the sea afterwards. It was just, it was like, it was absolutely perfect, and it was this combination of the location, the setting, that cooking on an open fire, and those and those locally sourced um, oysters, and just prepared in this beautiful way. Um, that that was definitely the a defining moment. But the other part I remember is we were in this really remote high between just just below Foynevin. So this really, really remote um, high plateau uh, below this incredible mountain. And Gilly had insisted that we pack into our bags, stuff from the um, Highland charcuterie. And so we we pulled out the this Highland charcuterie. Um, and I'm normally vegetarian, but I, because of the way this stuff had been produced and I tried it and in this location, in this setting, my body needing it as much as it did, it was just, it was the best tasting charcuterie I've ever had. So th- those two moments stand out for, for me.
2: I didn't know you were normally vegetarian. I'm always feeding you fish and meat. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. I'm just learning that now. <laughs> you know,
1: I think you can't ever stick too rigidly to something. I think you've got to remain open to experiences. But no, I don't I don't buy meat myself unless it's like hillshot venison. I don't I don't buy it. But yeah, I'd absolutely make exceptions for something that's been locally produced and um, has a sustainability angle and is produced by somebody like you, Kelly. <laughs> There's no way I'm gonna turn down anything you've ever cooked. <laughs>
0: Um, Yeah, Gilly, so do you, was there any sort of standout moments for you from the trip?
2: Do you know, we had such a laugh when we were together. And then I had the joy of my son um, uh, for for the rest of the time as well. And he's always singing songs and and cracking jokes and all the rest of it. But we had a very funny moment after those oysters and after the whiskey when we found that we'd actually got locked out of the hostel (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for that league. and we couldn't get in and so <laughs> there was this tiny, tiny window open that I think it was above a toilet or something I'm not sure but a tiny window somehow I have no idea my son managed to squeeze through it and all we could see was his legs sticking out the top of the window his feet and he was upside down on the inside and managed to get us in
1: that, that picture that we've got of Zeki's legs sticking out the top of that window I think that should be on Horsley Scotland's marketing brochure <laughs> <brush. laughs>
2: And the moment that, that seems to be—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm a bit of a clown in the film. That the—that have you seen the film, Roz? So yeah, we have we have seen we have seen some. Oh so, yeah, it. well, I'm obviously a bit of a clown in it because even when I'm on my own two feet, I manage to fall over. I mean, you know, it's one thing falling on. A bike and having an excuse for having done that but but I managed to fall over just in 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 one of the gardens that we went into because there was a ditch right behind me and I fell down the ditch. So I mean it's uh I think I'm yes I'm I think I'm a bit of a a, a joke in the film even my cycling looks a bit ridiculous because I don't I'm cycling in walking boots and, and my son's Icelandic trousers that he would wear for going down crevasses and you know I haven't got any of the gear. But that's perhaps also a good thing that I don't have the gear because it shows that anybody can do it. And the other thing is that I haven't ridden a bike for all these years because I actually was born with scoliosis. So I have a twisted spine and I have, you know, all my life I've had really, really bad backache. Um, it's it's there all the time. So I just ignore it. It's kind of mind over matter with all the years of putting up with it. But it's brought on early arthritis and and as I also have um, sciatica. So with all of those things, I never thought I would be comfortable on a bike. And any time that I had ridden um, uh, or sat on somebody's bike, I felt my back would be in the wrong position. You know, you were like forwards with your handlebars and you would kind of like constantly have a sore back. When I look at cyclists, many of them are like that, particularly road cyclists are often like that. But on this e-bike, I was so comfortable and, um, oh, well, apart from my arse, I mean, that was in tatters. I mean, that really was not tatters, um, riding, you know, when you haven't ridden a bike, you've got to sort of wear your, your bum cheeks in, don't you? You've got to kind of get them like a bit of leather or something so that they, they kind of get used to it. So, um, that was the only uncomfortable bit everything else was 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 fine it was almost easier than walking and i'm a walker i love hill walking i love uh, going off into the hills and uh, and now i need to do it with sticks because of my sciatica and everything so yeah i think for anybody out there who hasn't been on a bike because of things like arthritis it actually is easy and with an e-bike even easier and the best the highlight for me was I could overtake these super women on the hills I mean there they are they're struggling up those hills and they and I'm just like right past them it was great a great feelings but the only time I could possibly um, keep up with them uh, uh, you know was on a hill
1: did you get film? Gilly, far from a joke. Let me just say, Gilly looked absolutely <laughs> he was born to ride a bike. Um, and I think that, what you were saying, Gilly, you don't need all that important special gear. Of course, you can ride bikes in whatever you're wearing. It, it, you know, I think I think bikes can sometimes feel a little bit of an exclusive set, and it absolutely isn't the case. And I think we proved that on that on that route, and so much so that we all, you know, we we're all keen to do it again.
0: And um, Lee, you were talking about um, representation, like representation of women in this type of thing. Why do you think that's like kind of fallen away? Like, I mean, I know that there's sort of studies into women don't tend to carry on with sports after like PE at school. You know, guys have always got five a side football, and there's always stuff going on. Why do you think that, like, you know, there's not good representation of women? And are you seeing now that you know th- um, through your organisation that that is kind of changing, like more women are getting involved with um, cycling or, or feeling more like they can, because I know that personally, I was kind of freaked out going getting back on a bike this summer, but I actually, really ended up really enjoying it. So, is it just like a lack of sort of opportunities to do sports and things at a, a younger age? Yeah, I
1: think yeah, I think it's a shame the way things are set up at the moment. Girls aren't expected to remain active. There's sort of an unspoken. Um, rule that when you get to a certain age you stop being active and you start to to be a woman or to be a young woman you need to be present in a certain way and a lot of that is because there's not lots of women out there in the media representing a different way to be and so that's what the adventure syndicate hopes to do is be out there not every girl is going to want to do this stuff like not everybody wants to do this stuff and but just it's really important that a diverse range of people are represented doing adventurous things so that more and more people can look at those people doing it and think, okay, this is for me then. So we're not great at that. I don't think in this country we're a lot, lot better than we were 10 years ago, but more needs to be done. And not just women, like we need a whole diverse range of people doing adventurous things so that more people feel that it's for them. And especially that, but especially, I guess this is our niche is that that, between girls leaving p7 and getting into s1 where they lose their physicality it, it's it's not for them we need to change that because it's dangerous and um, if, if women don't um stay uh, connected to their body and their physicality then yeah there's real repercussions for for health
0: thank you very much thank you uh that was really interesting um, and thanks both for your time thank you thank you thank you
1: our alternative north coast 500 is an effort to do things more simply and slowly and to prove that less really can be more. Just get
2: lower down,
0: yeah, just lie down. Maybe. Just there. Maybe point. <laughs> thanks so much to Lee and Gilly, and thanks to you for listening. I don't know about you, but I now feel really inspired to try cycling again and find other ways to see Scotland that's not just in the car. Not to mention feeling very hungry. Please make sure to rate, review and subscribe to Scran. Scran is a laudable podcast that's co-produced and hosted by me, Rosalind Erskine, and co-produced, edited and mixed by Kelly Crichton.